There is a paved street going through the town of Arivaca. Everybody waves. That guy just waved at us. And um, it's really known to be like a really friendly, welcoming place. Just sort of live and let live kind of folks live here. It is the closest town to the southern border. And you can get a 16-ounce a Budweiser for two bucks. Not yeah, bad, huh? Yeah. Welcome to Aravaca, Arizona. Population, about 723. Nine miles north of the border. There's not much here to note. The town is not even incorporated. There's no police force or town government. No nearby towns or cities. Just desert mountain vistas overlooking an eccentric community, mostly filled with aging hippies, artists, and retirees who somehow found this town and a bond with each other. I see one, two, three. There's about six buildings in the main part of town, a gas station, mercantile, a little white building with a, what, everything is really one story. This business doesn't even look like it's operating. And the biggest business seems to be this La Gitana Cantina and Cafe, which is kind of the hangout of the town. And there's a sign on the door of the popular local spot that makes it clear where this small town stands when it comes to militias. Okay, read, read what this sign says. This is unwanted. Member of any vigilante border militia group, including, but not limited to, Arizona Border Recon. Do not enter our establishment. So... They are happy to have strangers come to their community. They're here to welcome anybody, but they don't want to welcome the militia. This is season three of Sounds Like Hate, a podcast series from the Southern Poverty Law Center. I'm Jamila Paxima. And I'm Yvonne Laddie. This season, we are examining the rights and lives of individuals who too often have difficulty being accepted for who they are People who still, despite decades of civil rights battles and triumphs, are forced to continue to demand equal rights and protections promised to all Americans. In this season, we travel to Arizona, Florida, Georgia, and Pennsylvania. We will meet folks who say modern day laws and policies continue to hold them down from living a life of full potential. For some people, Discrimination and hate is experienced in overt actions. Other times, oppression is subversive and destructive. These are the stories we've been investigating about individuals fighting for each other's rights. Are you seeing a resurgence of militia activity around here? Uh, Trump unleashed the whole can of, well, I wouldn't say can of worms, but a nightmare on us. In part two of The Unwelcome, we are in Aravaca, a small town near the Arizona border. This town has taken a pro-migrant stand. They fought a checkpoint in their town, banned the militia from their popular bar restaurant. In fact, it's hard to find a resident who hasn't lent a helping hand when needed to a migrant. But despite their effort, less than a mile from the town center, the militia is opening their own cafe. And more anti-migrant residents are moving in. Migrants are crossing the border at record numbers, around 1.5 million so far this year. 
Some wonder if local authorities have given a green light to the militia's activities. A warning to our listeners. The claims made by Michael Lewis Arthur Meyer of VOP or Veterans on Patrol in our report are disturbing, violent, and unsubstantiated. VOP is not sanctioned by the U.S. government. They create their own rules and laws in the desert. But this story begins with a visit with the former unofficial mayor of Aravaca. Ken Buchanan, who takes us to his version of an Aravakan country club. What's the name of this place? Crooked Guy Country Club. The Crooked Guy Country Club. Crooked Guy. Crooked Sky Country Club. Yeah, you see Crooked Sky everywhere you look. We push the sliding glass door and enter what I can best describe as a man cave. There's abstract sculptures. At least one is made of wood. There's a low ceiling, fluorescent light, mismatched furniture, a fridge stocked with beer and soft drinks, beige carpet, and several card tables ready for tonight's poker game. We sit at the mini bar as Ken rolls an American spirit cigarette. Ken 67, and a retired construction worker who specialized in concrete. He's tall and lean, with a long white scraggly beard and matching white hair. He has lived in Arivaca off and on since 1993. It's Mother Nature without her makeup on. I mean, it's just, uh, it's a living, breathing place. You know, it's absolutely real. So the rumor has it you're the de facto mayor of this place. I, I was at one time. I've resigned. There's all sorts of rules about having a mayor. We qualify for none of them. So I just declared I was the mayor. And it was just a joke, and it was supposed to be funny, and for a long time it was. But then people started, you know, getting like, oh, you're the mayor. Can we do this? Can we do this? Can, can you know, can, yeah, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, guys, just calm down. You know, it's all a joke. It's just supposed to be funny. I was doing it for the humor in it. At one point, it became not humorous. So I stopped. What's happening that's different and what's going on now that's different about this place? What do we need to know? I guess what's different about this place, until recently, we didn't believe in fear. You know, we just weren't afraid. Mm -hmm. And so much of our world has turned into that, being afraid and hating people for the color of their skin, for their economic status. Uh, We didn't participate in that. And that's really what this town was about. It's like, yeah, yeah, you want to be that way? Fine, go somewhere else and be that way. But we're getting those people now. Ken says Aravaca is changing. More right-wing residents are moving in, and they are bringing in hate. One realtor who did not want to be identified said the new neighbors are cleaning up 
dilapidated properties, shopping in local stores, and supporting local artists. And political affiliation is not a barrier to being able to buy a home or a business in Aravaca. Now the longtime neighbors of Aravaca worry not only of a shift in the culture of the town, but fear these new neighbors will tolerate and even encourage more vigilantes who want to use the town as a launch pad to prey on the migrants. So there is a long history of extremist groups traveling to the desert with this idea that Border Patrol essentially needs citizens to man the front lines. Freddy Cruz, a research analyst with the Southern Poverty Law Center, tracks anti-government groups. For a couple of decades now, there's a long history of vigilante activity that's been tracked. With so much anti-immigrant rhetoric coming out of Washington and the GOP, these groups feel justified and supported. I think a lot of the rhetoric that's come out of the the right at this moment regarding immigration and an influx of immigrants has really emboldened groups to go out in the desert with this idea that they're just complying with their duties as citizens to keep the nation safe. When Mexico sends its people, they're not sending their best. And I think it was really played up by our former president. They're not sending you. They're not sending you. They're sending people that have lots of problems. And they're bringing those problems with us. They're bringing drugs. They're bringing crime. They're rapists. And some, I assume, are good people. Trump was very very vocal in terms of categorizing, you know, Mexicans as criminals and rapists. It's not really anti-immigration, it's anti-brown people immigrating that is the problem. Anti-poor people immigrating, that's a problem to them. Ken says their hate is driven by fear. They're just over the edge. They're just off the deep end somewhere. They're just terrified of everything. I could list all the things they're terrified of, you know. The only thing they're not terrified of is rich white guys in suits. That's the one thing they should be terrified of, you know. But everything else, black people, brown people, women, they're scared to death of them. What are they going to do? What are they going to do to them, these people of other colors you might have to ask them that because i have no idea they just want to express their hatred and that's what they're doing ken has had some run-ins with border patrol in the past and they scare him he says years ago his wife wrote negative articles about border patrol for a local publication and it made his family a target they knew instantly who we were yeah that makes my asshole pucker sorry but it scares me. They know who I am. They know that I'm a liberal, that I will help people that are in need, but I'm not gonna tell you how many I have or haven't. He sees Border Patrol in his community every day. He says they set up on the only route the migrants can take through difficult terrain, forcing them to take more deadly routes. And it, it is a death trap out there. That's why they set it up that way. It is really rugged, low on water. Uh, It's a dangerous, dangerous place. And they really don't mind if they die. 
That, that, now that is a powerful statement. They don't mind if they die. Just my opinion. Can't prove that. No. There's going to be people that hate, and often they have badges. We see it in our country right now. Yvonne, how many of your brothers and sisters have been killed recently? Just because of the color of your skin. And these people are brown. That qualifies. They would want them dead rather than being here. Just my opinion. Let's just go back to this this person who recently is now paying, it's like a bounty. He has a website. The conversation moves to Tim Foley, the leader of Arizona Border Recon, a local militia group. His name is Tim Foley. Foley moved to Aravaca four years ago from the nearby town of Sasabe. He was in conflict with his neighbors there and has been shunned by many in Aravaca because he continues to track migrants and invites others to join him. They arm themselves up with automatic weapons, getting his pickup, and drive out there. There's lots of roads out there. And they drive out there looking for him. And if they capture someone? Technically, again, they're supposed to contact the Border Patrol. But often what they do is put that person in their vehicle and take them to a Border Patrol agent. Although Tim Foley will tell you, oh, we're not militia, we're not... That's exactly what it is. Is he your nemesis? How do you keep a friendship with someone who <laughs> you disagree with so deeply? Well, mostly I keep my mouth shut, you know. But I tell him, and I'll be honest with him, yeah, I really object to what you're doing, and I won't give you a hard time about it. Um, as far as the things I'm saying here, what are the odds that he's going to watch your program? Ken offers to introduce us to Tim Foley, who he says is working on building a cafe less than a mile from the town center. He says we passed him on our way to the country club. So we drive out of the club, and before we know it, we see Foley working on the cafe. And we walk over to him. Hey there. Hey, are you Mr. Foley? Can I really, can I chat with you for a second? Sure. Well, I know you're on the job, so I, I want to... Well, I, you know, I can just blame it on you that I couldn't work because you wanted to talk. We're journalists, and we wanted to see if we could set up a... Sorry to hear that. Oh, geez, just the driver and security? Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, he's here with us working with us. And who are you with? I work with the Southern Poverty Law Center. Ooh. Well, we were on your watch list there for four years, and we did something wrong because we got booted off. I guess it was... Do you want to be back on the list? <laughs> I guess it was better extremists out there besides us. See, what we're doing has nothing to do with race. Okay. What we have, what we're dealing with is sustainability. How many millions of people can you bring in and sustain before your taxes go up? Everything goes up to pay for hospitals, schools, jails. So what do you think? Like a half hour, 40 minutes. Sometime later today, or? Later today? Can we do it downtown? There is no place downtown. Right. Where do you have a place downtown? Where do you like, want? Somewhere outside downtown. Where do you now? Because they won't allow me in a bar. Or they won't let you in there? No, because they say I'm a racist. Now, if I was a racist, 
I wouldn't so, be talking to a black female, a black male, or a Hispanic female. Actually, I'm Hispanic, and she's not. <laughs> really? okay. Tim Foley is about 60. He has the brightest piercing blue eyes I have ever seen, like they could drill a hole in you if he chose to. He's roughly about five foot seven and has tattoos on his neck and arms. He's very slim and wears camel-colored pants and a matching cap on backwards. His skin also matches his clothes. His face is lined and deeply tanned, with gray stubble. Reading glasses hang on his beige pocket t-shirt. He looks like a man who spends a lot of time in the desert. They don't see that he's one of my He guys. normally charges 200 to $500 for a media interview, but he talks to us for free. My time is money, just like your time is money. And so it begins. We, an Iranian immigrant and a black daughter of a Latina immigrant, interview the head of a vigilante group who stops people from achieving their American dream because he does not agree with how they get here. Can you tell us what you do? Uh, basically, I am the uh, field operations director for uh, Arizona Border Recon. We've been doing this for 12 years. We monitor the uh, cartels uh, down along the border here because there's an 80 mile stretch of the border where 40% of all the drugs come through and we're sitting right in the middle of it. We're seeing more and more uh, cartel deeper and deeper into Arizona carrying AK-47s. It's we're an extra set of eyes and ears because see, when we spot something, we call Border Patrol on them. Tell us what you're spotting. Drugs, uh, people that have been deported multiple times for uh, rape, murder, uh, you name it. Uh, this is an area where people come through that don't want to get caught because there's limited access. So it's not like uh, Texas or California where you know they're coming over in brand new clothes and fully charged cell phones and just being bussed in and flown around to wherever they want to go. These people are still sneaking in. So they're sneaking in the drugs, they're sneaking in the bad guys. So there's there are some folks who say that some of the women and children are part of a drug cartel and are being raped and murdered out here. Do you believe that? Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, what was it? Two, three months ago, out where uh, we go, I found a human skull. And it, from the size of it and the size of the remains of the clothes that was there, it looked like a uh, Guatemalan female or a younger girl. And the skull had a crack from its orbital socket all the way back to where the jawbone went. So they were probably attempting to rape her and she fought back. And so what they did is they call it uh, rocking. They just took a big boulder and smacked her in the side of the head and left her to die. Foley made a YouTube video of the skull and his unproven theory of what happened. It got over 1,100 views. That, obviously, is a human skull. But, so, I don't know how somebody would die of exposure out here when, right there, is one of the water drops I was so this quarter mile from the border supposedly 
somebody died from exposure, which I doubt it. I think that uh, this was cartel related. Uh, so we're going to grid it, call the proper authorities and let them uh, come take a peek at it. So there was only a skull? What about the rest of the body? There was bits and pieces, but you know, the animals carted away most of it. The authorities never confirmed Foley's account of this skull. What drives you? Well, back when I was a kid and they actually taught history and civics in school, which they don't do anymore, uh, there was a quote from Kennedy, you know, the last true Democrat. And uh, his quote was, you know, ask not what you, your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. It's always stuck with me. Foley, a civilian, has been tracking migrants in the desert for years. It's pretty likely this isn't what John F. Kennedy had in mind. If you're enjoying this programming, consider a gift of support to the Southern Poverty Law Center, the nonprofit organization behind the Sounds Like Hate podcast. Now, in its 50th year of fighting hate and bigotry, the SPLC works in partnership with communities to end white supremacy by serving as a catalyst for racial justice in the South and beyond. Visit www.sblcenter.org today and click the donate button to discover ways to support this and all its important work for justice and equity. So this is a, a form of patriotism. Yes, yes. Now, it is a great country. You know, and that's why you see everybody trying to flock here and the people who are burning the flag or disrespecting the flag. You don't see them flocking to any other country. You don't see them flocking to Cuba. You know, it, it's nobody wants to go anywhere else. Everybody wants to come here. What do you say to the people who are like, this guy, like, what's he doing? It's really mean. These people, they're, you know, they're innocent. They're just looking for a better life. They're seeking <laughs> asylum. They're um, being abused and harmed in their, in, their, in their native country. And here you are, you know, chasing them in the desert. What do you say to those people? Well, His answer? What I say is, you know. Uh, is to criticize the humanitarians. We have uh, liberals here that uh, we they're called water droppers. They're the ones who go out there, open border advocates. They leave food and water out there and things like that. And we've been accused of destroying their water drops. And it's like, why? I mean, we don't, I sure in the heck wouldn't want to die out there of thirst in the middle of the summertime. And so, you know, we leave the water drops alone. But the only difference I tell people is between us and these so-called humanitarians is we I tell my guys, and you can ask them, we provide food, water, and medical aid when we run into them. According to Foley, not just anyone can join his team. He says he issues strict background checks. Last year, he says 256 people joined him on patrol. Once accepted, don't expect a lot to happen. Basically, it's hours and hours of sheer boredom, followed by moments of pure adrenaline. Basically, we'll sit up high on uh, mountaintops, on certain mountaintops where we can keep an eye on everything. And uh, you sit and watch and watch and watch. And that's why military and law enforcement are the best suited for it because they've done it. 
I mean, it takes a certain person to be able to sit there for 24 hours on a mountaintop. We go out for seven days at a time, but they'll sit on a mountaintop for 24 and then we'll rotate. Foley says he's a certified tracker, which we have not been able to confirm. Who certified you? You can pay for classes. I see. Okay. And uh, so I've been the certified tracker now for eight years, Uh which has helped me a lot. Uh, What's your dog's name? That's uh, Rocco. Okay. He says Rocco, the pit bull, who was now leaning all his body weight on me, panting and staring at me with a face covered with flies, is a good tracker too. I'll go out into an area to see if there's any activity oh, in the area and oh, if there's a lot of sign on the ground, then I put cameras out. Once I put the cameras out, they'll tell me what kind of activity. Is it just dope coming through? Is it bad guys? Is it just regular people? Or what is it? Is it, How often is it coming? But when I go out, he is my eyes and ears. All right. We're going up a mule trail. Not a good sign. And Rocco's out here too. Because I'm always looking at the ground and he's always about maybe 10 yards in front of me, but I can look up every once in a while at him and look at his body language. And he lets me know if there's anybody around or threats or things like that. What do you do? Uh, basically, what happens then is uh, the once the adrenaline kicks in, that's because, you know, you spot a group coming through and they're getting bigger. When Trump was in, they were down to six to eight. Now they're back up to 30 plus. And uh, they're all in camouflage. They're all wearing camouflage backpacks. They're all poking and peeking and they're taking their time as they're coming in because they're making sure that there's no border patrol around and so when you spot them and they they can get on the radio and call the base and go hey i got a group to be clear foley is talking about the human tracking of undocumented people in the desert so what's the benefit of being a member of your organization there is no benefit. The only benefit is, is that you're not sitting on the couch, that you're actually doing something to try to save your country. Are you a, a business, a 501c3? What's your status? The Arizona Border Recon? No, we're just an NGO. You're an NGO? Yeah. And what's your mandate as an NGO? Well, we're just a non-governmental organization. But every NGO has a purpose. We're just a non-government organization meaning we don't pretend we're part of the government we're just an organization we're not a militia you can go on our page we don't advocate overthrowing the government we don't advocate you know i mean i get border patrol that calls me and says hey this militia group's going to be down here at this time and i would tell border patrol thanks you know i won't be out there then so is Border Patrol happy to have folks like you helping them? Uh, it's a 50-50. 50% are very happy, you know, those are the line agents out there. Then there's 50% that uh, uh, they're like, well, you know, he's got to be doing something. And then you got the high ups that don't like us uh, exposing how open it is because upper management every year gets a uh, you know, bonus based upon their job performance. The rain starts to come down hard 
and we go deeper into the shelter of the cafe. Yes, let's go in. And you're armed. You're oh, yeah. Oh, you'd be crazy not to. I get, I get about four death threats from the cartel a year. So what weapons do you carry with you? Uh, everybody carries a sidearm. The vast majority carry uh, AR-15s. Uh, myself, I carry a uh, 12-gauge shotgun because, like I say, most of the time I'm out there with him. And He points to Rocco, the pit bull. If I run into some or multiple people with weapons, I'm not going to have the luxury of seeing who's a better shot. And Foley says he has worked with Michael Lewis Arthur Meyer, the head of Veterans on Patrol, a militia group that has targeted humanitarian workers' water stations, and without any evidence, claims these migrants are involved in human and child trafficking. The group was featured on SPLC's Hate Watch, which exposes extremist groups. Here's Meyer explaining his mission as it pertains to migrant children. Our job is to eliminate the cartel's capability of trafficking children through Pima County, Arizona, by any means necessary. I want them afraid to talk to people over here that want to purchase a child. I want them afraid to meet people who are coming to collect a child. I want them afraid to hold a child in their house. I want them afraid to be pictured walking with a child, escorting a child, driving a child, making a child pose, all of it. He had a beautiful thing going, helping the homeless veterans up in Tucson. And so because people would donate all kinds of stuff to me, like sleeping bags and stuff, mm -hmm. I would bring them up there and donate them to him. But once he's, the cheese slipped off his cracker. Uh, what does that mean? <laughs> oh man, the cheese slipped off his cracker. Okay. Oh yeah, that's the, when he went just total I bonkers uh, with this child sex camp or something up outside of Tucson. I said, Dude, you don't know anything about this. And he started to hate us because we were working with the feds and I was going, well, we have to work with the feds, the border patrol of the feds, and they're the only law enforcement down here because uh, border patrol is overwhelmed. And you have the right when the government can't protect you that you can protect yourself. And that's what we're doing. But these people are not armed who come down here. So Most of the people that you find aren't armed. Well, I understand that, but we go to our YouTube page. You will see the armed guys that we videotape. Uh, they are there. And besides that, you don't know if these guys, until you, if you stop them, if they got some big rusty blade in their pocket and you walk up there with just a granola bar and a water bottle and go, hey, and then you get shanked with a rusty steak knife. When does that happen to any of the volunteers? None. But you're trying to say they're not armed. How do you know they're not armed? We don't know they're not armed. So what? why we carry weapons is for self 
self-defense only. We don't point them. We don't shoot at people. We don't do any of that stuff. But it's better to have and not want than to want and not have. Unfortunately, there's no law against that. Pima County Sheriff Chris Nanos says what Tim Foley and others like him do is legal. Not on my state law books. Sheriff Nano says until the gun laws change in Arizona, he could only do so much. He admits Trump's call to arms stirred the militia to come to his state and says his hands-off approach to policing the desert is unlike any other sheriff's department in the area. For him, it boils down to resources. He just doesn't have the budget or the staff. If, I, if I'm going to be concerned about my migrant population, my concern isn't that they're crossing so much over it lawfully or unlawfully. My concern is their well-being and their safety. Um, and they do put themselves at jeopardy just crossing without anybody confronting them. It's a dangerous trek. Now you add into the mix these group of people who take it upon themselves to try to enforce immigration laws, that only makes it worse. Nanos also says monitoring the militia groups is not his responsibility either. He says it's Border Patrol's job. But if Border Patrol was at the border doing the things that Border Patrol's supposed to do, secure our border and keep our migrants safe, and as well as keep the community safe and along that border, then this issue would probably go away. Instead, I sometimes wonder if Border Patrol or HSI, if their policies don't encourage this. What he says his department will do is help a migrant in distress. The no. migrants don't call 911. You it can help them and it can hurt them, right? Mm -hmm. It's just, you know. It's just a shame. And, and like I say, usually they wait till the last minute to call us. And that's when we struggle with the life and death situations. Jamila and I wonder if he's just passing the buck. And then he says what's hard to dispute. What border states like Arizona have is a humanitarian crisis, not a border crisis. And he says the ones to blame are politicians who have politicized human suffering and divided America. Democrats enacted policies that chipped away our jobs, weakened our military, threw open our borders, and put America last. And you have to get your people to fight. Foley also was in D.C. during the Capitol riot. He wanted to be there to support his law and order president, who wasn't ready to concede he had lost the election. So. What was it like for you to be there on the 6th to see what was happening at the Capitol, from your perspective? Bone chilling. I'm from Arizona and I went there and it didn't matter how many clothes I brought, I was freezing my butt off. He says he went to show his dissatisfaction with Washington politicians, except for Trump. But what he describes was nothing like the violence the world saw on television. 99.9% of that rally was peaceful. It was just very loud and vocal. I went around that building about six times and everybody goes, you going in? I was like, no, I didn't come here to go in. And besides that, I was wearing an Arizona Border Recon sweatshirt. That's the 
biggest flag in the world. Denny describes what no media saw despite the hundreds of cameras reporting the events as they unfolded. What people didn't see and what the media didn't show is the huge contingency of the Chinese Americans who immigrated here legally, or the Korean Americans, or the Black Americans, or the Hispanic Americans. All it was was, oh my God, it's the racist whitey trying to overthrow the government. There was over a million people there. And what, a hundred people went inside? Oh my God. But this is what the world saw. A noose set up for Vice President Mike Pence. A Camp Auschwitz t-shirt. Confederate flags. The N-word hurled at black police officers. Police officers being pushed and beaten. The desecration of the Capitol. More than 800 people unlawfully entered the building. And to date, 638 have been charged with the Capitol insurrection. And an overwhelming number of these rioters were white men. This is now effectively a riot. But not according to Foley, who seems to live in an alternate universe where what you clearly see yourself is just not real. And the media and politicians are in cahoots to create hate. Not the men and women who charge the Capitol carrying symbols of hate and hurling venom. What they're trying to do is divide the country into races and get everybody pissed off at everybody else so that hopefully they can get this race war going that they would so much love. Are you enjoying this programming? You can support this project right now, along with all the important efforts of the Southern Poverty Law Center, a nonprofit organization that works to dismantle white nationalism and bolster our inclusive democracy. Simply visit www.splcenter.org and click the donate button. There, you'll find all the quick and easy ways to support the production of this content and join in the SPLC's movement for a more just and equitable society. I'm Neighborhood Watch, just like in your neighborhood up in the city. But this is my neighborhood. Is it, there's tension in town? Basically, a lot of stink eye and uh, they try to ignore you. And, but you see, I'm a part of the community and that's why I'm trying to get this open to, for the community. Welcome to La Gitana Cantina, the Aravaca equivalent to the bar on the sitcom Cheers. You know that classic 1980s and 90s show about the bar where everyone knows your name? This is the Bordertown version. The bar is an old adobe structure built in the 1800s. It's the oldest continually inhabited bar in Arizona. It was a barn for the U.S. Calvary who were stationed right across the street. It's been a dance hall and a community center, but now it's a dimly lit bar and restaurant with a jukebox and pool table. 
There are also photos of patrons, cowboy hats for sale, multicolored lights are threaded around the space. The customers are an older crowd who sit at the bar and make small talk. A few more middle-aged customers shoot pool. Happy hour seems to start at noon. This is a really colorful place, yeah. this bar. It's a fun bar. The bartender, Rebecca Robinson, is 37, with tattoos covering her arms and stylish hoop earrings. She's the youngest person I have seen in the town, although she swears she's not the youngest resident. She pops open beer bottles and mixes up drinks as she chats with customers. She says the cantina was a lot wilder back in the day. I think they like to claim how a mugger like pulled someone's tooth on the pool table. That's one of the things. Oh yeah, someone got stabbed down on the patio. Rebecca moved to Aravaca with her then boyfriend. The relationship ended, but Rebecca fell in love with the town and made it her home. It's sort of like a micro, it's like a cutout of the country, I feel like. And it's sort of like we're just all squished into this smaller space where we, we all managed to get along for the most part. Have you had problems with the militia? Yeah, I mean, they've tried to come in here a few times, like, while I've been working, but... And what have they done? They just try and come in here, and I say no. Usually, it's like they're trying to film, and I say, we don't allow filming on the property. Like, we don't let anybody film here just across the board. It makes it easier that way. Mm -hmm. She says the folks that run the militia are petty and spread lies about the town. They tell people across the country that we're all drug smugglers, that we're all child sex traffickers, and that they're like these heroes that are saving America from us. And it just perpetuates this terrible stereotype about what it's like to live on the border. And, you know, people like from Missouri and Wisconsin aren't gonna come down here and find out for themselves. They're gonna listen to this hate speech and they're just gonna believe it because it already matches how they feel. So it's just going to drive them further into that belief. And we're just like the poster child for border issues. But having Foley so close to their safe haven doesn't worry Rebecca. She feels sorry for him. He's just, I don't know, I just see him as kind of like a sad man who has to make a name for himself somehow. His ego is like just a little too big. And... Okay, Brad, what would you like? Budweiser <laughs> uh, kind of tap or draft? My name is Fern Robinson. I've had the bar. We've had the bar for 14 years. I live in Arabat because I love the small community. It's a really good community. People are great. And I like the weather. <laughs> who's welcome in your bar and who is not? Everybody is. Everyone's welcome. Except if you belong to a militia group. We don't want you. We like new faces. We like meeting new people, as long as you're cool. We can see right through the bullshit, pretty much right up front. Despite Foley being a neighbor, it's Michael Arthur Lewis Meyer that worries her the most. I think Foley might have a little bit more reasoning, but this other guy is, I'm afraid something bad is really gonna happen. Something really bad. So Meyer has come in here twice filming? Outside our bar. Yeah, uh, the bartenders that were here caught him before he could even come in. The Utah Gun Exchange, a pro-gun rights group, drove to town and tried to harass the bar goers. 
they came in several times and were in my bartender's faces about why they weren't allowed to come in there, here. And they showed up in town driving what? Some big truck with a, 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 a fake mounted machine gun on the back, making a statement. <laughs> when that happens, who do you call? Well, or we, what do you do about that? It's a community. We all get together and we have meetings <laughs> and figure out what we're going to do and who we're going to talk to and you know how far our rights go. She says the sign in front of the bar that bans the militia groups works and is legal. But what drives a lot of the anger towards these groups is the 2009 murder of Raul Flores and his 10-year-old daughter, Brasinia. Mom, I'm where's your emergency? No, somebody just came in and shot my daughter and my husband. They shot them? I'm sorry that the whole property was surrounded with border patrol and everything. Members of the Minutemen American Defense, a militia group, broke into their home looking for drugs to then sell to fund their group. But what they found was none of that. And then they murdered the father and daughter. They would bring the girls in for pizza and hot wings. Everybody knew everyone. The wife worked at the store. You know, it's a small community. Everybody knows everybody. The family, which included Flores's wife and Brasinia's mother, Gina Gonzalez, were regulars at the cantina. Gina Gonzalez was shot three times, but survived the attack. They told us that they told us that somebody was um, had escaped jail or something. They want to come in and look at my house, so they just shot my husband, and they shot my daughter, and they shot me. I knew them. Everybody knew them. One of those people was a little girl. Sheriff Nano says it was a violent and senseless crime and it has stuck with him. Point blank shot her in the head dead. It it was was horrible. And this was a militia group. They were encouraged. They were lifted up by others in in the political arena. Um, And that's a shame. This little girl was a beautiful child and she lost her life because of people who haven't a clue what's really going on on this border racist, bigoted people. And so, this town of artists, aging hippies, retirees, and others will do all they can to stop another militia group from targeting one of their neighbors. Let's just say we got the lights on, we're watching. It's about 5 p.m. at the cantina, and neighbors are shuffling in. Drinks are pouring, and tonight's special of mac and cheese with bacon is at the top of the menu. Would you like a drink? A vodka soda? Gin and soda? We share with Sheriff Nanos what we learned about Aravakans and their new fears. The community members also feel very much torn because they don't want to turn people into Border Patrol. They consider themselves humanitarians, and they're also scared of getting in trouble for helping another human being who's dying of thirst. What does that say about our society? 
I'm so afraid I don't I don't want to I don't want to help somebody because it might hurt them. That's a shame. People are dying every single day making their way into this country. Until the federal government decides how they want to handle the migrant situation in a way that's respectful and safe for the migrant, as well as protects our borders, this is going to go on forever. There is another side to this story. It's not all about politics. It is about human lives. And and we are human beings. Everybody struggles in this world. At some point in time, we should be looking at saying, how, how do we help each other? After 20 months of the COVID-19 pandemic closure on November 8, 2021, the U.S.-Mexico border officially reopened for tourism between these countries. Your stories matter. It is why we believe independent journalism can work in partnership with the SPLC to advance human rights for all people in the fight for tolerance and justice. Here's a peek of what we are working on for the next season of Sounds Like Hate, coming in 2022. Me, the first really thing that really made me uncomfortable was having to salute Stonewall Jackson. In season four, we pick up on our series, Monumental Problems. This time, we travel to Lexington, Virginia, where both of the Confederate generals, Robert E. Lee and Stonewall Jackson, are buried and celebrated. VMI is a literal playground for the Confederacy. Lexington is also home to VMI, or the Virginia Military Institute, where some cadets, faculty, and alumni say 182 years of Confederate hero worship have allowed a culture of relentless racial intolerance and misogyny to consume America's oldest state-run military school. And they were saying I was an N-word and I needed to leave and we're not welcome here. There's this pervasive culture of male misogyny I think it's a it's a breeding ground for it. Can an elite institution raising America's finest future military leaders overcome so many obstacles? You're hitting them in the face now with these facts, and it's attacking their very existence, their core. Why do I know this? Because it happened to me. These are complicated stories about people who fight for their truth those who are demanding affirming policies which will not rob children of their power nor strip any American of having equal access, influence, protections, and voting rights. If you know someone who has experienced a hate incident or crime, please contact the appropriate local authorities or elected officials. You can also document what happened at splcenter.org. This is Sounds Like Hate, an independent audio documentary brought to you by the Southern Poverty Law Center, produced by Until 20 Productions, and a team of dedicated journalists, executive producer Geraldine Moriba, producer Jordan Gospore, editor-producer Sam Rudell, editor Valerie Keller, engineer Kieran Banerjee, computer scientist Will Creighton, our music is composed by Warner Meadows. I'm Jamila Paxima. And I'm Yvonne Laddie. Remember to subscribe to find out when new episodes are released. Please rate and review. It really helps. And thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs>